Hear these words from Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they bring down trouble upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it uh, one who hates me, uh, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you a man, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throne. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning at a noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from of old, because they do not change. Therefore, they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Any given Sunday down in Mississippi, a small church where the floors were wooden and the pews weren't padded, as Sister Beverly Johnson would walk down to the microphone and as my mother would go over to the piano, everyone would begin to sit in great anticipation because they knew what song she was about to sing. Beverly Johnson was known for this song, and when she sang this song as a young boy, it was amazing to me how the mothers of our church, the older seasoned saints, uh, we would call them, of our church, would just begin to rise and to celebrate this song that she would sing. 
the music would start and everyone would sit up and some of the mothers would even begin to stand before the music even began and Sister Beverly would begin to sing. If I had wings, I'd fly away. If I had wings, I'd fly away from down here. Take up my cross, put it on my shoulders. Take these old wings and fly away to glory. If I had wings, 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 I sure wouldn't be down here. As these mothers begin to celebrate and the church will begin to start rocking and clapping. That was just a joy and a celebration. And as I thought about the words of the song, this song literally talked about leaving. It talked about getting out of here. It talked about if I had any way of escape from this world, I would take it and get out of here. And it didn't sound that exciting to me. Why would you be so excited about just taking off and getting out of this world? Well, you see, I was looking at mothers who had worked through the civil rights movement, many before the civil rights movement, who worked in fields whose parents were slaves, and they knew anxiety. And there's something about life and all the frustrations that come with this world. It was something about their existence and what it was like living here. And they said, you know what? If I just had wings, I'd take flight and I'd leave this place. And I'm excited about it. It's, it's, it's weird because it's depressing, but extremely exciting. This is the essence of the blues. The blues, the blues, the blues, some of the most exciting, some of the most moving music, but some of the most sad, sad stories. How is it that people can find such great joy amidst such great tragedy? I find friends here in the book of Psalm, we find David in the same way, writing his own blues song, if you will. He takes time to say, if I had wings like a dove, I'd get out of here too. He goes on to talk about frustration with enemies. He talks about this friend that deceived him, that he had walked with, and now he wanted nothing but death for him. And in the same breath, he says, but I trust in the Lord. David, my friends, was singing the blues. The blues of anxiety. Tonight, what does it mean? For a Christian to worry, to have anxiety. How do we respond to the anxiety of this world? Tonight, we sing the blues of anxiety. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to open up this, this your word. We pray, God, as we walk your scriptures, that you would speak to us tonight. Uh, God, in a real sense, speak to those of us who find ourselves living in this psalm. <laughs> Find ourselves relating to the blues tonight. God, we pray that your spirit would shed a new light on your scriptures and that we will leave this place made better because of our time with your presence and your word. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the first questions that we can begin to ask is, do Christians even have anxiety? I mean, come on. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. 
we got the good news. The resurrection power. Do, do Do we even worry? Come on. We live the good life, right? Christians. We got it all together. All we got to do is just pray. And Jesus swoops down like a little garden angel and just saves the day. It's like having our own little Superman right here in the Bible. We just open it up and come on. Christians don't worry. Christians don't have broken marriages. Christians don't have crazy kids, right? Christians don't worry. Christian kids just wake up, just they come out of the womb singing hymns, right? Come on now. This isn't even something we should even talk about at church. We need to take this and take this. This needs to be a workshop at our jobs or in our communities or for our neighbor's house. God knows they kids are crazy. They need to be hearing this. This ain't for Christians, right? Tonight's going to be a short night. This sermon's going to be real quick and easy because we don't even struggle with anxiety. We can, st- we can sing some old songs, right? As funny as it is, you know, some people enter this thing called Christianity with those very thoughts in mind. See, because there are those who will stand in the pulpit and say this Christian life is one that's filled with all happy, happy, joy, joy. Everything's always exciting and your breath never stinks. People believe that. But if we were to read the scriptures closely, we will begin to see that Jesus says, if you want to follow me, not only do I have a cross, but you take up your cross and follow me. Friends, let me bust your bubble. Christians have anxiety. We have problems. We struggle. Anybody that says when you come into Christianity, you have no problems, that's someone that's never come into Christianity. Either that or they came into Christianity and some weed at the same time, and they was high. All right? That's, they had a good day. <laughs> One that was filled with false realities. Because the reality is, friends, we have problems. Not only do we have problems, but when those problems come, they come with anxiety. So the question is not whether we have anxiety or not, or whether we worry or not. The question that I want to pose to you is what do you do when you have anxiety? See, the problem is we don't prepare ourselves to to, to deal with the difficult moments in life. It's almost as if we we live in this facade, this 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 fake world that only exists when we when you leave your house. Because when when you're in your house, you know that you got problems, your wife got problems, your kids got problems, your mom and them got problems, the dog got problems. You know what I mean? And it's like understood. You just walk around and be like, we just a problem family. But when we walk out, it's something about this facade that we see in other people, and we think, well. What? Look at them. Their kids always act right. Look at them. His wife, man, she looked like she really liked him. <laughs> look at them. Look at, and, or, or look at her husband. Wow. He actually opened the door for her. My husband don't do nothing no more. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's like we look out and we just kind of size each other up. We look at it. Look at it. She's single and so content. And I'm single and so depressed. What's wrong with me? You know? I go to the movies by myself, and I just, you know, yeah, my life sucks. Can I say that in church? I just did, sorry. So, it, but it's like we look at each other's lives, and we begin to size each other up, and we don't factor in any imperfections. We just see what's happening, and we just think everybody else is living this happy, happy, joy life, and I'm the only one that's living with struggle. I'm the only one living with pain. I'm the only one living with anxiety. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can y'all, y'all relate to this? All right, let me, let's just do this real quick. If you're in this room today and if you were to look at your life and look at your family and look at how you live and say that you have problems, if, if, you, if the answer to that question is yes, if you have problems, would you just raise your hand real quick? 
All right, leave them up. All right, look, everybody look around. Look around. Look around. Now I want you to turn to the person sitting beside you and say, neighbor, it's good to know that you're just as jacked up as I am. Oh, come on. Come on now. That should be good news for some of you because some of you walk in this room and you think, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Well, I want you to know you are not the only one. Turn around and tell somebody else. You're not by yourself. Tell somebody else. You're not by yourself. Come on, tell them. Talk to each other. Tell them. You're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. So, so it's not a matter of, now let me just say, I know we just kind of ease through that and we just kind of grace through that, but let me, let me just pause and say for somebody that's real good news. Because for somebody, the enemy will tell you, you are the only one struggling. The enemy will say, you got to live your life in isolation because nobody else will understand you. Nobody else could relate to you because you are the only one struggling. Nobody else is going through anything like you're going through. So you can't even talk about it. You can't even get prayer about it because people will look at you crazy. The enemy will tell you stuff like that to keep you living in isolation. The first thing I want to deal with is not whether or not we have anxiety, but what do we do with the anxiety? It's not a matter of, even when I do marriage counseling, when I sit down and talk to couples, I said, have you worked out how you're going to argue? Because that's something you need to have. I know with the wedding and all that stuff, everything's all happy and, and the husband just gives in real easily. Or the wife is, oh, whatever you want, dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as that cake digests after the wedding, some things change. All right? So let me just go ahead and help you. Some things change. It's like as soon as you, oh, that was good. The wife looks at you and says, now we need to talk about some things up in here. All right? So things change. So it's not a matter of when you disagree. It, it, I mean, of, of whether you disagree. It's a matter of when you're going to disagree. And when you disagree, how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to talk to each other when you don't feel like talking to each other? Oh, come on in here. Talk to me up in here tonight. Am I telling the truth? How, how, are, you, how are you going to talk? There are times where the husband, all the husbands in the house make some noise. See, look at them. They don't even sound. They, they, don't, they sound depressed already. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Call me hubby. You know what I mean? Uh, all, all the husbands that are, that are in love, that married well, all the husbands that married a fine woman, make some noise. Y'all see that? Y'all see that? The wife is like, oh, you better scream a little louder than that. That's all you got? I need you to stand up. All right? Husbands, there, there are times when your wife will ask you, well, what's going on? What are you thinking? What's wrong, honey? And you feel like saying what? Absolutely nothing, right? Nothing's wrong. I don't want to talk to you. So how do you deal with in each other in those moments when you don't want to talk to her? How do you communicate that right now I'm trying to figure it out within myself, and before I figure it out within myself, it's going to be hard for me to articulate it outward, so I just need a little space to work this through in my own head so when I talk to you, it will make some sense. How do you articulate that to the wife who's sitting there asking you every 30 seconds, well, what's wrong? Is there anything I can do? Was it at your job? Is it the family? Honey, talk to me. Please talk to me. I just want to know. I don't want to talk right now. That's what you want to do, right? I'm sorry. I'm working out my own little marriage issues. I'm sorry. Some things going on. now I'm just tripping. So I want to talk about what do you do when the anxiety comes? How do you deal with it? How do you work it out? David, first thing he does is the first thing we need to do. I love it because let me just let me just say I don't have time to walk through this whole passage. That's why I just took time to just read it so you can at least hear. I would love for you to go back and hear the drama and the, the tension and the hostility that's in this passage. David is going off. 
I mean, David is hostile, he's upset, he's angry, he's bitter, and then he's walking in humility all at the same time by saying, well, God, I trust you, I love you, I'm leaning on you, but I'm ticked off. But what does David do? First word, Psalm 55, 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me. And hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. First thing David does is he takes the complications of his life and he puts them before the one who gave him life. He takes his, 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 his frustrations, he takes his anxiety, and he places them in God's hands. He sends the mail to the right address. Many of us, when anxiety hits, we, we send it to the wrong place. We don't go to the one that's able to handle the mess that we find ourselves in. We'll go to, to Cousin Ray Ray and them before we'll go to the creator of the universe. I know half of y'all ain't got no cousins named Ray Ray. That's a cultural difference. But I got some cousins named Ray Ray, a, a, a Pookie in them. You'll, you'll, you'll go to somebody else before you go to the creator of the world. I'm telling you, regardless of how bad the situation, regardless of how frustrating it is, even if you think he's the cause of some of the anxiety, you can go to him. Because going to each other or going to things can ultimately help you and kind of send you in the right direction. But ultimately, you need to go to the one who can solve all things. You need to put the mail and put it, send it to the right address. You need to talk to the creator of the universe. You need to talk to Jesus Christ. And, and, and you'll see as we, as we continue this conversation tonight, I'm not saying that the conversation's gotta be all nice and, and sweet and, and all prairie-like. Because there's, there's a school of thought that just says, well, you just don't talk to God any kind of way. You just don't. David is kind of going off a little bit. I mean, it's, if you read the Psalms, they'd be talking to God and I'd be like, God, you ain't blow them up for saying that like that? I mean, dang, but you see these laments that happen where there's just this raw honesty. But you got to go to the right source. Those of you that have your Bibles, turn to, turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Listen to this. This is, this is Jesus basically talking about the life of a Christian and what we are to do with life. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. It, this is the passage where it kind of talks about not worrying. There's a point in here that's made. Watch this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Know about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body, uh, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his measure? I love this, the way it reads in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in the, uh, in the message, in the message Bible. It says, look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? Basically, what he's saying is, 
when you deal with anxiety in your own way, does it work? When you get when you when you have anxiety, what's what's some of the defaults? What do you do? Anybody crying? We got any criers in here? Is there any criers? All right. We got any any yellers? You just like to scream, yellers? Well, let's just be honest. Come on, don't front. Y'all got problems. We know that. You already confessed that. All right. How many of you like to? I mean, and not in a in like a police go to jail kind of way. But how many of you like to like hit stuff? Like go to the gym or something, or run or something like that. Throw stuff. You know what I mean? Slap people. No, I'm just I'm just. I tried to get you, tried to see, tried to see, all right? All right? See, we all relate to Now, now how many of you, if you, if you go running or if you ever hit something or you like screaming, and who are the yellers again? Who, the, who people like to scream and yell? Come on, be honest. Oh, come on, I know we got more than just two, a couple of people. Y'all front, y'all, all right, let me ask your husband. All right, y'all like this, y'all like to yell? It's okay. After yelling, what does it do? Has it ever solved the problem? Have you ever had a bill, let's say a Verizon bill, because I'm AT&T and we got the iPhone and I, I like them. All right, let's say Verizon bill, and they mess up your bill, and instead of $150, your bill is like $600. And you call and you get like this little mean little attitude, fresh out of high school, don't even know what she's talking about, little rep on the phone, right? Not saying that fresh out of high school is a bad thing, but when you're fresh out of high school and don't know what you're talking about, then it's a bad thing. So she, she, she fresh out of high school, don't know what you're talking about, and getting an attitude with you, treating you like you stupid or something, right? And you on the phone, and you a yeller, so she cue you up, you just start screaming. You get, you gonna change this bill, you gonna do this, you gonna, I'm gonna come down now, I come down now, and I will shut you down, you gonna get fired today. Who your boss? Who your manager? I'm gonna go home, and da 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 we'll forget you, we'll forget you, we'll forget I ever knew you, forgot your mama ever knew you, forget your cousin, forget your mama's mama. You know, just go off and just yell, right? And then hang up the phone, bam! And you picked up the bill and it was cheaper. <laughs> that ever happened to anybody? You ever do that? Ever scream and be like, oh no! And then go away. <laughs> That's exactly what the scripture is saying. Basically, Jesus is saying, what you do don't work no way. What you do, it doesn't work. It doesn't change the circumstance. I am the only one that can change the issues. I'm the only one that can change the circumstances. So bring your complaints to me. Don't live life holding on to anxiety. It's not bad to have it, but it's bad when you have it and you just hold on to it because you can't fix it. You can't do anything with it. You got to let it go. Turn around and tell three people, let it go. Tell three people, let it go. Let it go. Come on, come on, come on now. Let it go, let it go, let it, let it go. So the first thing is you got to send your anxiety to the right address. David says, God... Turn your ear to me. Let me hear you. First thing is you got to send it to the right address. Second thing is, if you're going to talk to God, you might as well be honest with God. You got to talk to God. You got to go to the right place. But the second thing is, if you're going to talk to God, you might as well be honest with God. Can you, you would not believe how many times people just lie to God. We do it all the time. I do it all the time. Well, not all the time, because that would make me lose my job. But, uh... <laughs> It has happened like before, you know, before I came to Lake Avenue. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you, I mean, you go to God with this, with this, with this just kind of souped up church version of your real emotion. I'm telling you right in here, right here, right now, tonight, you can be raw and real with God. You can be honest. You can sound like an idiot. 
You can sound like a fool. Just, I mean, there's some lines. But, I mean, you can be honest and say, God, how I really feel. God, I'm angry with you right now. I'm upset with you right now. I don't like what you did. Do, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because if that's how you feel, God knows that's where you are anyway. It's not like he can't see that emotion. You know what I mean? It's like me, it's like me playing hide and go seek and standing behind this stand right here. Be like, hey, Albert, go hide. I am hiding. Y'all, can y'all see me? Y'all can't see me? Let me see. It's stupid. It's like, idiot, we can see you. When you're coming to God with your prayer, he's, God is like, I can see your real emotion. I can see what you really feel. Come clean. Be honest with me. I know you're hurting, but I can't heal it unless you expose it. Come clean. Be honest with me. Don't hide the pain. Reveal the pain. Because what you reveal, he can then heal. Come clean. Be honest with me. Be raw. It doesn't have to be fixed. It doesn't have to be resolved. It doesn't have to be theologically correct. Be honest. Because he knows where you are. He knows how you feel. There's an example of a prayer like this. It's a guy praying and, and you just see this raw, honest guy coming to his God, coming to his Savior. Not blaspheming, but just being honest with God. Check this clip out. Somebody has taken my wife and stole my church. That's a temple I built for you. And I'm yell at you because I'm mad at you. I can't. Take it. Give me a sign or something. Blow this pain out of me. Give it to me tonight, Lord God, Jehovah. If you won't give me back my wife, give me peace. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give me peace. Give me peace. I don't know who's been fooling with me. You are the devil. I don't know. And I won't even bring the human into this. He's just a mutt, so I'm not even going to bring him into it. But I'm confused. I'm mad. I love you, Lord. I love you. But I'm mad at you. I am mad at you. So deliver me tonight, Lord. What should I do? Now tell me. Should I lay hands on myself? What should I do? I know I'm a sinner and I once in a while. Woman, I a, but I'm your servant. Since I was a little boy, you brought me back from the dead. I'm your servant. What should I do? Tell me. I've always called you Jesus. You always called me Sonny. What should I do, Jesus? This is Sunday talking now. that he's, I tell you, ever since he was a little bitty boy, he sometimes talks to the Lord, and sometimes he yells at the Lord, and tonight he just happens to be yelling at him. Well, could you tell him to talk a little softer or whatever, because people got to get their sleep in, too. You know what time it is? Come on. Now I'm talking to you, Jesus. Talk to Sunday. You don't talk to Sunday tonight, it seems like. But I can't do Sometimes we talk to the Lord. There are times when it's okay to yell at the Lord. A message like this isn't necessarily always for everybody in the room. 
from just any message. But I want to talk to the people that are struggling with areas in your life and that have anxiety. I'm convinced tonight that there are some people who have trouble going to sleep at night because of the stuff that you're stressing out about, that you're worrying about. There are issues that perplex you and there are things that are coming up, uh, happening in the future. I don't know what's going to happen next, so I don't know. And, you got, and, and it's building an anxiety. And I want to give you the freedom tonight. Number one, you're talking to God because you trust him and you know that he's the one that can fix the problem. I want to give you freedom, secondly, to be honest with him. Give him your raw emotion. There are times when it's okay to be mad at God. I want you to hear what I'm saying tonight. Because I grew up in a church where all my life they just said, no, you just don't. You can't talk to God any kind of way. And although I understand the intent of that, but I think what it did is it created an opportunity for me to go to God one way, but then for me to keep my real emotion in another place. There are things about this life that don't make sense. There are things about this life that don't add up and that we don't understand. And it's okay to come before God and say, this doesn't make sense. And I don't like it. When my grandfather passed away, my grandfather spent his whole life pouring out and building into other people. And to see him die the way that he did and the amount of pain that he died in, friends, it didn't make sense. And I didn't like it. And it was okay for me to express that to God. I want to give you freedom tonight. Not based on Albert Tate's authority, but based on the authority of Scripture. To be honest with God about the things that you like and the things that you don't like. First thing we do with our anxieties, we take them to the one that can, that, that can meet our needs and that can do something about them. Secondly, uh, we come to God with raw honesty about what, 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 we're, what we're feeling and what we're, what's happening in our lives. And thirdly, if we're going to talk to God, you've got to be willing to make it a two-way conversation. If you're going to talk to God, you've got to be willing to listen to God and hear what he's going to do. After David comes with all this raw emotion, I mean... It, in, in verse 15, he literally, he's talking about this guy that portrayed him. He literally says, let death seize him. Let them go down alive into hell. Basically, he said, I want my friend, you can go to hell, friend. And you can go there, and I don't want you to be in no comatose state. I don't want you dead. I want you fully alive so you can fully feel all the pain. And he's talking to Jesus. He's talking to God. He's like, God, not only do I want you to kill him, but I want you to kill him, and I want him to experience torment like never before. I want him to die but be fully alive, so every piece of hell that he can possibly experience, I want him to feel it all the way to his toenails. I want him to have it all. Does that sound like something you want to say to God? That sound like a prayer? You call that guy up and let him pray at the church. That The church would shut down the next week, right? It's in the guy you want doing the altar call, you know? Let the people burn. No, dog, that's not what you want. But that's what he's given, and he's given that to God. He's given that raw emotion. But what I love about David is he doesn't keep it a one-way conversation. He pauses to hear what the Father says. I love the way he concludes this. He says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall, this is his response, 
He shall sustain you. And he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Finally, let's look at Philippians tonight. Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. Verse 6 says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, through the power of Christ Jesus, you don't have to live your life filled with anxiety. As a matter of fact, he says, when you get anxious, be anxious for nothing, but take that anxiety and go work that out in prayer. And when you begin to engage in dialogue with God, there's something that happens. There's a peace that happens. Just like my man said, he said, give me, give me, give me, give me peace. Give me, give me, give me, give me peace. I like that. This is a little rhythmic. Y'all should go try that. Say, I learned that at Warehouse. Like, y'all speaking in tongues over there? Not this week. We'll be working on it. He said, give me, give me, give me, give me peace. He says, take your anxiety to God. And in that dialogue, through prayer and supplication, there's a peace that he'll give you that surpasses your understanding. And that peace will then guard your heart and your mind. It, it, it looks like this. Uh, Eric, would you come here for a second? Eric, come here. And, uh, uh, yeah, you, Eric. Zach, Jared, would y'all come here for a second? Uh, and Ryan, come here. All right. Here we go. Ryan? You are living with anxiety. Aren't you getting married sometime soon? <laughs> all right. It's just an illustration, but if you need to hit some stuff, just, you know, tell us to move. All right? Let's get so everybody can see. All right? Ryan is dealing with anxiety. All right? Eric, you are the peace of God. You are back here, right? All right? So just stand over there. You two, y'all the enemy. Y'all Satan. The ones that should be burned in hell. All the way to your pluck. No, I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> All right. Ryan, you're dealing with anxiety. So look like somebody that's dealing with anxiety. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. You, what was that? That was terrible. Come on. Come on. You giggling up here. This ain't Disneyland, dog. This is a sermon. People's lives at stake. You know what I'm saying? People, this is salvation. This is serious work. All right. Okay, come on. Put your hands in your head. Do like this. Do like Grab your head. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Anxiety. Oh, God. You know what I'm saying? All right, get intense. There you go. There you go. That's it. That's it. All right? All right? All right? Anxiety, right? So Ryan is struggling, and he's having this anxiety, and he turns to God. Look up towards God. All right? And what God does is he sends his peace. Now, this peace comes. Now, watch this. Doesn't necessarily deal with what the anxiety is, and it doesn't necessarily deal with how he resolves the problem. I don't want you to miss this tonight. This is not about how to get your anxieties resolved. Because there will be times when God won't fix the problem, but he'll fix you. Did y'all hear what I just said? Because that was good. Did y'all hear what I just said? He may not change your circumstance, but he'll change you and give you the ability to stand within your circumstance. 
Lord have mercy. That was just rich. Y'all should be taking notes, all right? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not about, so I don't want you to think that this is a way to get your problems fixed. Because God may not change your situation. He may not change your problem. Paul begged and begged and asked God to remove this thorn, and God did not do it. He said, my grace is sufficient. So I don't want you to think that when you become the Christian, Jesus is your problem solver. The problem may not change. The situation may not change. The circumstance may not turn around. But I can guarantee you through the power of his blood that he can turn you around. And that can, he can change you. And that you will experience a difference, alright? So I want you to see that. So, so as Ryan goes to God and calls on God, God sends his peace. And his peace is confident and it's sufficient and it's whole. It's nothing missing and it's nothing lacking and it ain't no weakling. His peace, peace is the real deal. Look like the real deal. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? His peace is, his peace is solid. Uh. Ouch. You know what I mean? His peace is solid. So he sends his peace. Watch this. And this is his understanding. This is, grab, grab, grab this right here. You, Ryan, yeah. Grab this. This is his understanding. And he can't make sense of the situation. He can't make sense of the circumstances. This does not make sense. Shake your head, no. It doesn't make sense. Have you ever had something that just didn't make sense, just didn't add up? Have y'all ever had that happen in your life? This is something that's not making sense. So he's going to God. And watch this. It says, and the peace of God shall pass his understanding. It passes his understanding. So what happens is, he didn't necessarily fix the problem. He didn't necessarily make it make sense. But he gave him a peace that went beyond his sense. He gave him a peace that went beyond his understanding. So instead of him seeing the conflict resolved, he saw a peace that would sustain him regardless of what happens with the conflict. Do you understand what I'm saying? He'll give you a peace that doesn't even make sense. In other words, people will see you smiling and they know what you're going through. And they'll be like, why in the world are you smiling? You should be crying. If I was going through what you'd be doing, I would have packed up and left a long time ago. But he says, no, I can smile because although my situation hasn't changed, I got a peace that passes my understanding. I got a peace that don't even make sense. I can't even explain why I'm smiling. I can't explain why I got joy. But I got joy because God gave me a peace. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Let me help you today because you will leave out of this place defeated every single Sunday because you go out and you face problems that are still the same. You, play, you face, face jobs that you still don't like. You face responsibilities that you're not excited about and you wish God would change. But let me make myself clear. God just may want to change you. And if you come to him and be honest with him, he'll give you a peace that won't even make sense. It'll pass your understanding and you will be able to withstand stuff that you would Back in the day, it would have had you crying and throwing stuff. But now you got a peace that don't even make sense. You can't even explain it. People be asking you, how are you even holding on? I don't even know how I'm holding on, but I know I'm holding on because God gave me a peace that passed my understanding. Not only does it say it'll pass my understanding, but as I close on this, it says it will guard your heart and your mind. How many of you gotten a peace after the service and felt real good after the message and the song was real good and you went home and you're like, I got a peace. I got a good, I got, I got it. I'm so excited. And you walk in the house and all that leave and you're like, oh Lord, these same kids is in here. I just done lost all my joy. You know what I mean? Or you'd be like, oh man, you go to work and you see your boss and you'd be like, shh. 
oh, I want to quit again. You know what I mean? So I'm not talking about a peace that goes just as quick as you leave the service or a peace that goes just as quick as you leave that moment. I'm not talking about a moment peace. I'm not talking about a prayer peace. I'm talking about a God-like peace that will sustain you. And it says it will guard your heart and your mind. It will keep you when the enemy comes in. Come on. When the enemy comes in to try to steal your peace, to try to steal your mind, to try to distract your heart, to try to defeat you, that peace will guard you. Y'all try to get in. Try to get in. That peace will guard and will keep things at bay. Watch this. Y'all reach in. Put your hands out. Listen. Because the world will try to come in and try to steal everything that God has given you. He will try to distract you and try to take everything you got. What the heck are y'all doing? I'm... People trying to get saved tonight. Y'all up here playing around. I got the Motley crew tonight. All right. Freeze. Don't move. Freeze. All right. I want y'all to see this. When you leave, the enemy will come to try to steal everything that God gave you. Every word, every hope, every ounce of faith, he'll try to take it away. But this peace will guard your heart and your mind. And it'll keep the enemy at bay. You just got to keep looking toward the peace. You got to keep going to the one who's able to keep you. Believe it's in Isaiah, it says, he'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What does that mean about Ryan? What does his mind need to be? Stayed on God. Well, you got bills coming this way. You got broken relationships coming this way. And his mind wants to go here, but his mind has got to stay on thee. And as his mind is focused on God, he'll keep him in perfect peace. He'll guard his heart and mind. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. What do we do with the anxiety? You go to the one that has the power to do something about it. When you go to him, you're honest. And finally, if you're going to go and talk to him, and if you're going to be honest with God... Give him an opportunity to be honest with you. Seek him for his peace, the peace that he has for you. A peace that you won't lose when you walk out of this place tonight, but a peace that will guard your heart and your mind. Just for a few moments, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I use a lot of humor to talk with the very, to talk about a very heavy subject tonight. Is there anxiety in your life? How are you dealing with it? What would it mean for you to have an honest conversation with God tonight? What would that look like? Not only that, what would it mean for you to leave out of this place with that peace that he promises in scripture? This isn't something that's kept for the special Christians. Let me tell you something tonight. That peace is for you. And you can leave here with that peace. That peace that guards your heart and your mind. If you got anxiety, 
We want to create a space right now, right here, for you to take it to him. As Jeremy plays, we're going to have a time of reflection. Then the band is going to come and close us out. During this space, would you do business with God tonight? Would you be willing to have an honest conversation about your anxiety? And would you be willing to listen to his voice and to receive the peace that he gives you? And be careful, because that peace may not make sense. <laughs>